Good afternoon to you, Ben. It's Greg Ross from The Last Post magazine. How are you? Good, Greg. How are you going, mate? Oh, I'm not too bad, mate. Not too bad. I was just interviewing Anne Alley, MP, earlier today. She was lovely, so it's been a good day for me. Oh, good, good. I hope I can continue that on for you. I'm sure you will, Ben. It's a, it's a privilege and a pleasure to be speaking with you. So uh, welcome to The Last Post. Thanks, mate. Thank you. No, cheers, mate. Cheers. Um, ben, you've recently released the book Home, I believe in a 2016 trip in Serbia with Richard Flanagan. You um, met um, some refugees and there were children and adults, obviously, from a, a wide range of locations. Can you just go through that uh, what you found there and where you actually travelled, because I think there was a fair bit of um, uh, coverage there in different locations around the world. Yes, we, we followed the refugees from the source, from the border of Syria in the Becca Valley, and we followed them all the way across to Greece and then up through Serbia on their way to Germany. So we sort of watched the exodus, I guess. Mm. Um and um, and you're right. In Serbia, in, in the transit station in Serbia, I met a little girl who prompted me to come up with this idea of le- of allowing the children to tell their story. Mm. Um, um, and I guess before that, following on from my when I was the official war artist in 2012 with the ADF, mm. one of the questions that I was asked constantly when I got home was, "Why did you not tell the story of the Afghan population?" Um, and look, that, that's a simplistic question because I was I was there to tell the story of the Australian Defence Force and I was official war artist. And besides that, it was too dangerous for me to go telling stories of Afghan people at that point in that war. Mm. But then a lot of those blokes have become friends of mine, lifelong friends, and and they also some of them are working now in um, uh, I've forgotten the term as um. Uh, in the Middle East as private contractors. Mm. And so those guys were constantly giving me updates about this trip that I made with Richard about where's the dangerous spots, where are the hot spots, what to be aware of and what to be careful of. And I was intrigued to know their take on what was happening and all of them said that, and including the guys who'd served in Afghanistan who are back here still serving or or into civilian life, mm that what was happening in Syria was beyond anything any of them had ever witnessed and that all of them were surprised at how little news was being reported out of those war zones. Mm. Um, and I remember one fellow who, who was suffering from PTSD, had done four tours of Afghanistan, he said, Ben, the destruction in Syria isn't like nothing the world has ever seen before. So it sort of kicked off my interest, I guess. Mm. And then, given the opportunity to travel with Richard Flanagan, it was um, it was an equal privilege as as was going to Afghanistan. A massive privilege to go and see human history um, uncoiling before me in front of us, uh, and then to then finally to answer to to give something back to help add a voice to the conversation that was happening in Australia, to bring awareness. Um, to the chaos and destruction that was going on and 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 to add something positive to the debate as well, I guess, that mm. these children's voices hadn't been heard mm. and are very, very rarely heard in a war zone. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's sort of a brief rundown of it. Yes, it sounds... I guess for a lot of people it would be a shock to the system, I guess, 
from one moment uh, not being able to hear the voices of those involved in the war, and particularly the children, and then to be confronted with what I guess you saw. Uh, what was it about the girl's um, exclamation or explanation that led you to to taking this step to getting their recordings of their feelings through drawing? Um, she She's a little girl, they, so there was an NGO in that transit station. It was mostly a toilet break off the bus, but also mm. they were given food along the trip, um, and they had nothing. So they, they, were, they were allowed to bring a backpack, one tiny backpack each on the crossing of the Mediterranean to Greece. Mm. So by the time they got to Serbia, if they'd had food, it was gone. So there was NGOs organisations looking after the people on their trip north to Germany uh, and one of the groups there which was at every transit station was just I think they're Palestinian people who were giving pencils and paper to children to draw and I, I obviously was travelling with lots of paper and pencils so I got all of my materials out and allowed the kids to start using it. Excellent. Um, mm. And some of the children made paper aeroplanes straight away and <laughs> others started drawing. Mm. Uh, and this one little girl just drew and drew and she was drawing pretty things girls in dresses and fruit trees and gardens and pretty houses and um and flags and very colorful beautiful drawings and when i got a translator i asked the translator if he could ask her would she draw me a picture of her home right uh, and she then immediately looked at me for a split second and then put her head down and drew uh, an attack, uh, an Assad gun, uh, helicopter gunship with three barrel bombs, a, a house in in pieces, and two bloody bodies lying next to the house. Mm. Uh, and it was such a confronting thing to see that mm. this little child was carrying that memory of her home Boy. in her little mind, fleeing that home at the same time for a completely uncertain life in a country where no one spoke her language or understood her customs or knew her family. Mm. <coughs> and from that moment on, I, I started collecting more and more drawings and ended up with thousands of drawings. And of them, I then curated the works that you'll see in the book. Mm, mm. No, I, I've seen some, some, some of the drawings, <coughs> Ben, and totally confronting. I guess one of the great tragedies of war is the violence involving, I guess, not only those that fight for whatever reasons they're fighting for, but the um, civilians and those that are endlessly dragged into the conflict, particularly young children, a disruption to household security and education, etc. How different was this experience for you from your days with the ADF? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, look, I wasn't in the war zone. I was on the outskirts of the war zone. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's the part of, of war that I had never witnessed. I'd been in war zones. I'd spent. I'd been through Kandahar, Kabul and Tarankot and travelled between all of those places. Mm. Um, and there's a certain energy in the adrenaline that comes with being in a place like that. Mm. But all of the people that you meet outside of that war zone who are fleeing or in refugee camps have all breathed a big sigh of relief that they're beyond dangers, beyond harm. Mm. But, but, and like I saw with so many guys who served in the ADF, 
so many of them showing the early signs of post-traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. um, in that, that zone of being totally um, broken from your, from your experience, away from where you belong, mm. um, living in tents in refugee camps or trying to cross Europe to get to Germany. Mm. Um, a totally different experience, totally different, really. Mm. Mm. Um, and, and World Vision led us, took us and guided us through all of these incredible places. Um, and, for example, they have unarmed security detail. They, in their, in their um, mantra, they will not bear arms so that you, you're travelling with two very knowledgeable, lovely Lebanese security guards who have no weapons. So mm. it, it's a totally different experience. It must have been <clears throat> confronting for you on many levels. <clears throat> were, you, um, were you amazed were you, um, at what you saw from the honesty of the children's drawings? Yes, I was. Absolutely. I, I, I just was blown away. I couldn't believe it. That, that um, yeah, it was totally confronting. And, and I mean, that's, that was the vehicle for me to understand what was going on just over the border in some places, only a few kilometres away, you know, hearing artillery fire in the middle of the night mm. uh, across the border in, in um, northern Lebanon, you know, knowing that... Um, yeah, that the, the children were telling me what was going on there in the most stark, um, stark way, with no, no propaganda. I guess that's what really hit me. That the, the children's visual language is totally devoid of propaganda, and it's hard even for me as an artist, trying to be as sophisticated and intelligent as I can, to be devoid of propaganda. is almost impossible for most adults. But mm. not for them. It's impossible for them. Mm. Mm. And I guess um, the, that honesty led you to a, a decision for this book, or was that decided before you went? Uh, no, I, I thought I conceived the project while I was actually in Serbia. Mm. I suddenly thought there's something in this, and I exhibited some of those children's drawings in a show at the Art Gallery of South Australia after I returned. Right. And then thought, no, the real way to do this is to make a book. And then the idea would be that it becomes a um, a document that can be added to, and hopefully not too many times, but that every war is then documented by the children that have escaped that war zone as a very visceral, confronting documentation of, of the horrors of, of war, of what happens to the, the innocent people that lose everything during a conflict like that. Yeah, no, well said. I think um, World Vision is, um, I think the proceeds are going towards children's education. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah all of the proceeds go to the education of children under the care of World Vision in, in Lebanon, Jordan and around Syria. Does, I mean, this book, Home, which is drawings you know, by Syrian children in the conflict... How does that leave you feeling? Um, it, uh, you have done something quite good here, but d- d- is there a feeling of ho- hopelessness or helplessness in that? Uh, no, I mean, that's another thing that, that, that um, I think adults and from my experience of the guys that I've become to, I've, that I've come to know through my experience of being the war artist mm. is that their very complex understanding of a war zone means that, that 
you can often become pretty pessimistic about the world at the end of your experience. Mm. Whereas children are just eternally optimistic and filled with hope. And it was only the most damaged children I saw that were already suffering from the trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder. But on the whole, most of them were very hopeful. Mm. They're bouncing around like children do. Mm. Mm. Uh, And it was impossible to, you know, in some senses complete sign of hope that it's impossible to distinguish to 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 just extinguish that that flame of hope that those children carry Mm. uh, in the most unbelievably profoundly uncertain times for their families did you still happy little people and isn't that brilliant I, i i guess a lot of times adults may underestimate the ability of children to um bounce back or absorb but of course uh, the undeniable fact is that absorbing all that violence, I guess, is not good for the soul, but they will recover, uh, hopefully, um, and that gave you hope. Was it Was it something that led... This expression, were you, were you surprised at what you saw with the children's expression through the drawings? Um, mm, yes, I was, yeah. Mm. I was surprised at how many children had seen... Uh, beheadings, mm. um, how many children had lost siblings and family members, um, and how many of them had just seen the most graphic physical violence. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, and, you know, it wasn't lost on me that the media was reporting beheadings. That I knew about it, but, and I worked in television many years ago. I remember doing a, a shift a news shift in the newsroom called the foreign feed and you would watch foreign film coming in from all over the place and including war zones and the violence that wasn't shown on television I, I i kind of felt that in some ways for us to understand what's going on in the world it is important for adults to know these things mm. Mm. Um, um, but for children mm. to see it and to have known it and for their parents always always trying to protect them from that, that it was inevitable that most of the children had witnessed some sort of horror. Mm. Um, yeah, it's an experience of war zone that I had never had or understood. Do you, do you get angry with war? No, I get angry with the humans that that fail at di- diplomacy that puts people in that in harm's way. Mm-hmm. And, and is it something that, something akin to that, Ben, that led you to being doing the drawings for the Australian Defence Force. Was there any inclination from you pre prior to that to, to do that? How did that come about? Uh, well, as I said, it, it was felt like a natural progression for me to to understand the story more. And for all the young men and women who served in Afghanistan, mm. they're acutely aware of politics in the Middle East. Mm. You know, and they taught me a lot about Middle East politics. They were all reading about politics in the Middle East. A lot of them were learning language, Pashtun, Arabic, uh, and sharing docu- um, TV and film documentaries about the history of why of engagement in Afghanistan and further afield to the Middle East. Um, so, yeah. Do you, do you feel privileged, Ben, to be able to bring? light to this subject through your role as a painter yes very privileged very Mm. lucky to be able to go and and respond and add something to the conversation that's a bit out of left field i think it's important that the more voices are heard um the more voices that are heard 
possibly offers more opportunity for more of us to consider ways of avoiding these sorts of conflicts. Yeah, well said. I think, and I guess for those involved in art, particularly, there may be a line connection there between your expression as a youth, which led you to painting, and the drawings of these children. Yes, that's right. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I've never stopped drawing. <laughs> and, and that's the one thing you realise that I, I did meet one little boy who'd never held a coloured pencil in his life. He had no idea what it was. Wow. He was from a very poor part of Syria and he'd been working in the field all of his life. He was a, an, an orphan child and he needed to work to eat. And I asked him how long he'd been working in the field and the translator says he doesn't understand that question. He doesn't know anything but working in the field. His earliest memory is working in the field. But apart from that little fellow, all children know how to draw. They just do it. Beautiful. Um, and and I never stopped. And, you know, I hoped and encouraged those little people that have added their voices to this book that they continue drawing as well. It's, a, it's, a, it's an invaluable way of telling a story in a different way. Does your painting connect you with your younger self? Mm, no, not really. Well... well is it yeah, I guess so. It's just one long lineage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in a sense, if there's ever a big retrospective of my work, it probably should go right back to the first mark I made, but um, <laughs> they weren't very good. <laughs> and what led you to do that? Did you feel a need to express yourself in some way? When I was a kid? Mm. Yeah, all children do. Mm. Mm. I think given the opportunity and the materials, all children want to draw and communicate that way. Yeah. Yeah, well done. I, I like your paintings. Uh, I know that you do what you do very well. What gave, what, did, how did you draw inspiration, or was it just something that evolved naturally for you? What do you mean? With paintings, did, did you... Work? Was there a particular style that you saw that you wanted to emulate? Or? No, no, no. It's a very gradually evolving um, beast, my, mm. my art practice. Mm. Uh, and mostly it's, it's responding to an experience. So whether the experience is having a, a subject or a model in front of me, like the young men and women from Afghanistan, or going to a place like like the Becca Valley in Lebanon and responding to the refugee crisis, or making works about myself and my experience of being alive, it's, in a sense it's about responding to experiences and Mm, and at the mm. core of it, about being a human. Mm, mm, exactly, and uh, self-expression is very important, not only for mental health, but uh, to, to I guess, as a dialogue of your life in many ways. That's right, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, ben, what's next? Do you see yourself returning to conflict zones? Uh, it would be fantastic if this book can be translated into Arabic, I think. Mm. Uh I think that that's a tool. I hope it's, the book is used as a tool to communicate. Um, I won't be going overseas for a while. I actually had a, a football injury and I've had an operation on my shoulder and have to have an operation on my knee, so I'm a bit <laughs> land-bound at the moment. Wow. And how did that... Yeah. What, what code of football was it? Soccer. Soccer. Okay, okay. And I retired from all sporting activities before I hit the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember playing soccer myself and ending up on the ground. So, yeah, may, may you recover totally physically yeah. as well. Thanks, yeah, no, Thank good you. stuff, Ben. Um, yeah. We wish you all the best for the future and certainly Great, for Greg. this wonderful book that you've produced. And Richard, uh, it was a part of the travelling with Richard that I guess was a good thing for you as well. Yeah, look, he's such a... Um 
you know, he's a man. I don't know if you've read Narrow to Deep North, but his father was deeply affected by his service mm. as, in the Australian Defence Force. You know, so I think there's a lot there for Richard as well, and he's such a a great man and and an inspiration in a lot of ways. So it was a an honour to travel with him as well mm. and to have his take on it uh, and his intellect. You know. Um, yeah, it was yeah. a privilege. He comes from an amazing family because Martin had been contributing to the magaz- my magazine for a number of years. And oh, right. Yeah, no, no, a, a, a good, a good person. Mm. A good wow. person. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, what I guess for for the had your parents been in? Had your father fought in a war or what had happened? No, no, no. My uncle was conscripted to Vietnam. Uncle Jack went to Vietnam. Mm. And I remember getting back from Afghanistan and ringing Jack with a hundred questions, saying, "Mate, why, why, you know, no one ever talked about the war? It's such a cliche." <laughs> but I don't think I don't know that anyone. I'd never sat down with him, and Dad said he knew little bits and pieces, and he loves his brother very dearly. Mm. Um, and Jack and I have shed a few tears and had a few beers since then, and I know a lot more about his service. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an eye opener, and it's. A an experience that you don't forget. I had a similar experience with my father from the Second World War. He he would not talk about it until he'd had a couple of drinks, but then it became a very emotive thing, of course. So yeah. we, 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 we bless you for um, your art, uh, your expression, and your ability to allow others to, to feel that through your work. And, of course, the children involved in warfare around the world gain hope by their ability to express themselves. And for being a part of that... Ben, through your magnificent book, Home, we congratulate you, man. I, I hope it works like that. I really do. Thanks for your interest. No, that's fine. Ben, thank you very much for being part of this.